On Vision Sunday, we try to step up our dignity game. <laughs> and we literally undercut ourselves. It's unbelievable. Welcome, friends. It's great to have all of you here. Uh, over the course of last week, maybe for some this week or the next week, uh, we have a lot of families with kids that are returning to school. And we want to take a moment this morning and just pray for God's blessing over those families. Uh, and so uh, that, that means that we've got people in here that are starting preschool from the, for the first time and others who are headed off to college or have headed off to college. Uh, we have people who are teachers, school administrators, homeschool parents uh, who are doing online education, whatever it is, I want to invite you to stand with me, and we want to pray for God's blessing for you and for this coming year. So if you're a teacher, would you stand with me, a, a school administrator, a homeschool parent? If you're a student, no matter what that looks like, would you stand with me right now? We're going to pray some things from the scriptures over you for a moment. I just invite you to bow your heads with me. Lord, we're so thankful for every person that's standing here. Grateful for those who are teachers, who are administrators, who are uh, homeschooling their children, for those who are students in whatever that looks like. God, we pray that whatever those who are standing do this year, they would work heartily at it as for the Lord rather than for men. May those who are standing not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, they'll reap a harvest if they do not give up. Lord, help those who are standing prove to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom they appear as light in the world. Father, may no one take them captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and on the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Lord, I pray that they'll trust you and do what is right. May they lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles and let them run with the endurance of the race that is set before them. Lord, may they take joy in doing your will. May your instruction be written on their hearts. May they not follow the advice of the wicked or stand with sinners or join with the mockers. Instead, we pray that they will love your instruction, have great peace, and not stumble. May they not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their minds so that they may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Father, we pray for each person that is standing right now and all of the others who are headed back to school and aren't represented in this room, and we ask that you would be with them that they might know you more over the course of this year, recognize your presence with them each and every day, and ultimately, when this school year is over in May or June, that they might be closer to their Lord Jesus than they are right now. Lord, this is our, our ultimate desire and our ultimate prayer, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know... Matt said we're thankful for the ones standing. I just want you to know, for those of you who are sitting, we're also thankful for you. Just make sure we cover all our bases there, Matt. Um, also, uh, you, you'll notice outside of the room, there are some shirts there. 
Those shirts are uh, friendship church shirts that you can purchase. The proceeds go to the youth ministry and scholarships for the youth ministry. So we're super excited about that. Amy Dahl, who many of you know, uh, is in charge of that, overseeing that. And last week she told us to uh, wear those shirts. So we did. She said, make sure you suit up, wear those shirts. Uh, So last week we did. Yesterday I texted Matt and I said, Okay, uh, true confessions, my shirt's not ready. He said, my shirt's not ready. I said, Amy did say to suit up. (laughs) So we suited up. (laughs) Right, okay. Just, (laughs) thanks, you, and thank you, thank you. (laughs) Oh, goodness, I appreciate that. Thanks, Mom. I, (laughs) I didn't realize you were here, but thank you for that. (laughs) God bless you. Uh, I'm Kenny White. I'm the campus pastor in Shakopee, and with me is the Matt Clausen, campus pastor here in Prior Lake, and we get to tag team preach today with no elbow drops, Uh, but I know that there have been some concerns because here in the front row, like everything is full, Matt, and then here in the front row, it's like, yeah, that's the splash zone. We better better be careful. So uh, welcome. We are thankful to have you, and, and uh, today we're going to celebrate what has happened over the course of the last year, and we are going to humbly consider what God has for us this year. We are looking forward uh, to sharing that with you, and with that in mind, I do want to take just a moment and pray for us because it's, it's really important that we center our hearts on the Lord, and so let's just take a moment before the Lord even right now. Jesus, we love you And we thank you. We thank you for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. Lord, I thank you for uh, Friendship Church. Prior Lake and in Shakopee, you are doing some fun things and bringing us together in the midst of it. And Lord, as we unify, help us to walk to you and toward you and with you and never get ahead of you, O Lord. Help us to love you and to love others well. Let us, to walk, let us walk in your ways for your glory. For it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. If I said to you, such and such, so and so has 20-20 vision, you would know what that means. And part of the reason you would know what that means, that they have really good eyesight, is that you recognize there is a standard. And if you were to go to the eye doctor or maybe even the DMV, you would know that there is a standard that has been tested, and that standard identifies that person's vision. Now, I want you to imagine how ridiculous it would be if I went to the eye doctor and the eye doctor said, Kenny, uh, your vision is 2200. It's not great. And I said, well, I appreciate your assessment, Doc, but according to my standard, I have 20-20 vision, and I'm just fine. Like, wouldn't that be ridiculous? And yet we see that that is almost exactly how many of us have approached vision in past days. And we want to be so careful when we talk about vision, what we, exact, what we mean uh, precisely. Proverbs 29, 18, perhaps you've, you've heard this used often with respect to vision. Without vision or the lack of vision, people perish. 
And so it's often used to say that we need some sort of great strategy, if we could just put together this strategy and move our people, whoever they are, whether we're talking about a church or a business or, or whatever, this entity, uh, if we would use that strategy then, people would have life and it would be flourishing and it would be good, which is nice, but that's not what the scripture indicates in Proverbs 29:18. To say, uh, uh, to say without vision the people perish is to look at that and say, what does it mean to have vision? Well, what, what it means is divine communication. It's used often with a prophetic utterance of God's word. So when we say things like vision, we're really talking about God's word. Okay, so let's look at that. Without God's word, without his uh, prophetic word, people perish. The idea there is they cast off restraint. They're, they're all doing kind of their own things. And so we need God's word to ground us, to direct us. God's word is our standard that we're looking at. When we talk about vision, we are talking about God's word and how God's word is directing us, how it is taking us so that we don't cast off restraint and everyone just do their own thing, but rather we're bound together in unity. And it's that unity that we have been called to. So when we talk about Vision Sunday, this is not my vision and it's not Matt's vision. Uh, it's not even collectively our vision. It's not the ministry teams. It's not the staffs. It's not the board of trustees. It's not the elders, but rather we got to go to the word of God and say, what does God's word have to say? And together, corporately, let's walk in those ways. And as we have done that, uh, we believe that the Lord has led us in some really exciting things. And that's what we're hoping to communicate today. One of those pieces is discipleship. Last year, uh, you heard us present uh, a direction with discipleship that was very specific. Uh, and, and uh, um, well, I'll just leave it at very specific. As we talked about discipleship, we also recognized that uh, that comes from Matthew 28. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so we started to walk in this idea of discipleship. So when we're talking about vision, I want you to know the word has not changed. So we're doubling down on that. Uh, we're going to talk more about discipleship even today. Not just that, but we also recognize that within that call to discipleship, there is a call to oneness, to unity. And so uh, maybe, maybe unity, uh, oneness, it, it, it's hard to get our head around. We're such an individualized culture, right? Everything is individualized. And we often don't think in terms of corporate unity. So when we get the concept of one or oneness, unity, we have to look at the scriptures again. Well, where do we see it? Well, we, we see it with the Lord. Uh, in fact, uh, the early prayers, uh, not just of the Jewish people, but even the early prayers within the church was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Echad. It's this unity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, united. Oh, well, what does that look like practically? Well, we see it in another place. That the husband and wife, the two become one. They're united. And we too are called to that oneness. 
and specifically that oneness and discipleship. And so I want you just in these next few moments to be preparing your heart to, to maybe ask that question a little bit differently, to say, what does it look like to walk in oneness and be, and be an obedient disciple of the Lord? I'm going to ask thee, Pastor Matt Clausen, to share a little more. Part of the privilege that you have today is you, you get to watch and see if Kenny or I put each other to sleep while we're up here. Usually we just look out and see who goes to sleep while we're talking, but today you can see if we actually put the... So if Kenny falls asleep back here, I need you guys to indicate to me somehow so that I can kick his chair or something along those lines. When it comes to 2020 vision for God's people... Discipleship, making disciples, is 2020 vision. It is God's mission for his church, not just for Friendship Church, but for each and every church that exists if they will accept it. Jesus calls us to make disciples. And what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is becoming like their master. That's not my definition. That's Jesus' definition. In Luke 6, 40, he says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. What is a disciple? It's one who's becoming like their teacher or their master. And Jesus' call upon his church is for us to make disciples, those who are becoming like Jesus, baptizing them into full submission into the lordship of Jesus Christ. And then what does he say after that in Matthew 28? Teaching them to obey a handful of the things I've commanded you. Now, that's probably not right, is it? What does he say? Teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. As you go about this, I'm with you. I stand with you. I empower you and strengthen you in the making of disciples. Now, in order to make disciples, Kenny and I have said we want our teaching ministry to be about three things. We believe God calls our teaching ministry to be about three primary things. The first is we are focused on Jesus. We don't want to be a church where when people come, people have their eyes primarily focused in on themselves. We don't want to be a church about self-help or self-adulation. We want our primary focus every time we get together to be on how great he is and glorifying him and seeing his majesty. Because that is where genuine transformation comes from in a person's life. And so we're focused on Jesus. Second, we're focused on the gospel. We don't want to be a church that simply picks out some nice values from the Bible and gives you some good value lessons so that you can be better at being successful according to the idols that our world holds. No, we, we want to be a church that is always about the gospel and where the gospel is at the center of everything we do because it is the message that brings dead people to life. Now, we recognize that there are some aspects of the gospel that aren't particularly popular in our society or even in some churches because the gospel is good news that is a response to bad news that I'm sinful, that I'm disobedient, that God's punishment is upon that sin. But we believe wholeheartedly that it is impossible for a person to respond to the good news and live in the good news if they don't first understand the bad news that makes the good news possible and necessary. And so we are about 
the gospel and wanting to proclaim the gospel. Third, we're focused on the word of God. Kenny and I never want you to come here and just hear something that is the best wisdom that Kenny and Matt can come up with, with a couple of Bible verses attached to it so that it sounds like a sermon. We want to teach the Word of God because we believe that God's Word is sufficient for everything that He calls His children to. And so we want to teach the Word of God. So as a part of that, last year we introduced a seven-year teaching plan for our sermons, our life group curriculums, our seminars. And as a part of that, we wanted to help people over the course of seven years walk through the Bible, almost everything that the Scripture teaches verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we also wanted to help people see the biggest top topics and biggest subjects that the Bible deals with and all that the Scripture has to say about those things. And so as we jumped in last year, what did we do? Well, we went through Genesis 1 through 22 in sermon series. We started the year in Genesis 1 through 11 in a sermon series called Creation and the Cross. And a little later, we went to the life of Abraham in 12 through 22 in a sermon series called When God Says Jump. As soon as that sermon series was over, we released a life group curriculum on the lives of Isaac and Jacob that covered Genesis 23 through 36. And now, in the next four weeks, we'll release the final life group curriculum that covers the life of Joseph in Genesis 37 through 50 so that people have had an opportunity to go all the way through the book of Genesis. We also covered the first half of the book of Romans. Does anyone remember this? Right. Spoiler alert, we're going to do the second half of Romans this year. As we walk through that first half of the book of Romans, we released some life group curriculums on books of the Bible that have related subject matter. So as we're preaching Romans, we released Galatians and Ruth and Colossians because of their related subject matter. We also covered some of the biggest subjects and topics that the Scripture talks about. And so we did five weeks on Jesus' identity. Who does the New Testament say that he is? And we did five weeks on facets of salvation. How does the Bible talk about our salvation? We also released a life group curriculum on Acts, and, and yes, it just walks through Acts from beginning to end, but it also has a particular focus on those facets of our salvation as you make your way through that curriculum. As we were doing that, we were also doing some seminars on how Jesus calls us to live within certain relationships in our life, parenting, uh, marriage, resolving conflict. The seminar on marriage and the seminar on resolving conflict were actually different seminars, right? Now, they don't have to be the same thing. They were, they were different seminars. So we walked through many of those things in our first year in this seven-year plan. We also started something called Core Discipleship, where we met on Monday nights and 125 people came together at small tables, did homework, did spiritual practices together, and many of them said, we grew a lot as we spent time with the Lord through this. And it was fun to watch. But I need to stop talking because that was last year. This isn't Review Sunday. It's not Retrospective Sunday. Uh, this is, what? Vision Sunday, that's right. And so I'm going to bring Kenny back up here because what we want to talk about today is discipleship again and the unity that it produces among us. Because that unity is at the center of God's heart. So can he take... Oh, that's yours. That's mine. I'm going to leave it alone. alone. Don't touch that. Okay. All right. I'm out. <laughs> uh, 
Before we move on, I just want to say thank you. How exciting to see 125 people in core discipleship as an example, um, stepping up and stepping in. Like this was not a low bar kind of thing. We knew there was going to be homework. We knew that uh, it would be demanding. We knew that you would be coming in winter when it's, you know, dark at four o'clock in the evening and everybody wants to just stay home. And, and you made those sacrifices, but not just there. Uh, you stepped up and stepped into serving opportunities. There were am amazing meals that were produced over, the, over many ministries. There were many volunteer hours that came in. You stepped up and stepped in. And I just want to give the Lord a praise offering and a thank you for your work this last year. And also, we're not done, right? So let's, let's keep moving forward. I... I absolutely love this passage we're going to go to in just a few moments. I mean, I, it's all God's word. It's not fair to say, like, this is my favorite of everything you said, God. This is my favorite. It's all God's word. We love it all. There are times when God's word specific points minister to your heart in different ways. And that's what I mean. This prayer that we see Jesus pray in John 17 is pretty unique. You know, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, how, how should we pray? And he said, our Father who art in heaven. And, and he taught them how to pray. And that has been a memorized prayer that the church has had throughout the life of the church. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. What we get in John 17, however, is this, uh, the son before the father and just laying out his heart in a beautiful, beautiful way. And I would challenge you, as I have been challenged, to look through the scriptures and see, but I believe that this is the only place that we can see a prayer request of the son and given in such a way that you and I, equipped and enabled by the Holy Spirit, can answer. That's significant. Called to be disciples, we are called to this oneness, and we see this oneness as presented by Jesus, even in his prayer before he went to the cross. Watch this. John 17, starting in verse 20. I do not ask for these only, speaking of his current disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus, even in his own step of faith, is saying, I know that there are going to be these disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, and so on and so on, who have stewarded the gospel of Jesus Christ, who will steward the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way there is a future in this church. I am not just praying for these, but all of these who will, uh, who will come to me. And he says, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. I'm going to pause there. When, when I first read that years and years ago, I, I thought, that is beautiful. And when we get to heaven, we're going to have this oneness. We're going to be united as the Father and Son are united. And that will be so wonderful. It will be beautiful. I can hardly wait for heaven. And then I read it again and again. And again, and what I recognize is that this isn't in future tense. This isn't like one day when we get to heaven, this will happen. But this is Jesus' prayer in the present tense. Right now, that you and I would be one as the Father and Son are one. And you're going to see this subtle call 
to this oneness in terms of evangelism. Watch. Watch what he says. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Whoa. There is this unity that we have that confirms and affirms the very gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that I know that I know that I know that it's true. And look at what I'm seeing in front of me. See, here, here's how it works. I will say that there are churches who have amazing worship teams and churches who have amazing communicators and there are churches with amazing buildings and the world has all of those things too and in many cases even better why do I tell you that I tell you that because there's this what they don't have and what they don't have is this sort of unity this oneness that people with different political backgrounds different ethnic ethnic backgrounds, different sociological classes can somehow come together in unity and love one another in beautiful and dynamic ways, living out the very gospel, the truth of what they say they believe. And Jesus, in his prayer, before he goes to the cross, is calling out to the Father. It's recorded in the scripture and challenging for us as believers to step in and go, you know what, Jesus? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, I want to answer your prayer. I want to be one. And it's going to be hard. Yep. And I'm going to have to fight my flesh, and sometimes your flesh, and sometimes our flesh, and then my flesh again. But by the power of the Spirit, Lord, would you help us to be one, as you and the Father are one, that the world may know that the Father sent the Son. Let that be a testimony. He goes on to say, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one. Just like I said earlier, hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They are perfectly one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just as a husband and wife are called to that same sort of unity, we within our church are called into that oneness. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. This call is challenging. Early on, shortly after this, the gospel goes out in force. And it is starting to go out into regions of the Roman Empire that had never heard this amazing message of Jesus. Some rejected it. Some rejected it with uh, violence, with sword, with imprisonment, with uh, the Colosseum, with being murdered publicly. And some saw it as the only way to life eternal. And within that group, there were uh, Messianic Jews, so Jewish people who saw Jesus as their Messiah. And there were Gentiles, people who had totally different backgrounds, and as I said earlier, different socioeconomic backgrounds as well. Some who were, uh, uh, who were citizens of the Roman Empire and some who weren't. And the church started to look different. You can imagine some of the conflict that starts to well up when there's that sort of depth of diversity. Well, I grew up this way and I grew up that way and in, in my family, it means this, and in your family, that means that. And you can imagine the sort of conflict that is coming up. 
Not just that, but you also have some different backgrounds. One that says, yeah, there is this God and he created us in his image and he loves us and he came in the flesh. And another group that says, I, I like this idea of Jesus and the redemptive message of Jesus, but, but I, I grew up in a way that said that all flesh is bad, that spirit is good, and I, I'm, I'm not okay. And so the early church stepped in to deal with heresy. And as it started to rise up in the church, they addressed it. And they didn't look to the right or to the left, even for the sake of unity. Well, we don't want to cause any waves. No, they said, Actually, this stuff matters, and, and we are going to call, cause waves, and we are going to call things out, and we are going to uh, make sure that people are following through with their belief in God, their trust and obedience in Jesus, the biblical Jesus, and, and there was that challenge early on in the church, and certainly that was true in Ephesus uh, in some unique ways, and as this church is trying to get together and trying to learn how to love one another. Paul hears about it as he's a prisoner in the Roman Empire, and he pins a letter to them, tells them how they fit together and what the way that they should fit together, and this is what he says. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Love that. Love that from so many perspectives, but one of them is just who Paul is, right? He is a prisoner in the Roman Empire, but that's not the way he sees it. He, he doesn't say, ah, I therefore a prisoner of the Roman Empire urge you to like, I, look at me, you guys, I've been in prison for my faith, kind of a big deal, stop your complaining, he doesn't do that, but rather he says, I'm, I'm a prisoner for the Lord, I am under his authority. His kingdom is above all, including this earthly kingdom. And yeah, though I'm a prisoner in Rome, I am under the authority of God, and I am a prisoner to him. And where he leads me, I will follow, even if it's in this jail cell. You get that flavor even right away in this passage. And then he goes on to say, with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Let's just pause there. Um, I would say one of the things that, that we have uniquely in the north is a fairly long winter. Is that, is that fair to say? Can I say that? Yep. And sometimes it gets gray. We, we sometimes will joke about, some, some of my friends will joke about, yeah, it's February and people are starting to get cabin fever and the little things are big things now. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is this call that uh, Paul is giving the church to say, you know, I, I may have some likes and dislikes, and with humility, I'm just going to offer those to the Lord. For the sake of Christ, I'm going to choose to love. As long as I'm not bringing heresy in or leading someone away from the Lord, I'm, I'm willing to give up my rights. So that you can, uh, so that we can be together, not at not at the expense of the gospel. Never, not transforming who Jesus is. Never, but rather I'm willing to give up my rights. So even in February, when it's long winters, we can say, okay, I'm going to love through this. And even though I'm getting cabin fever, it's not that big of a deal, right? 
Thanks again, Mom. I... <laughs> yes? All right, all right. We walk together in this. There is one body, Paul reminds the church, and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's make sure we are doing the right things the right way. Our unity is found in Christ and Christ alone. We are not unified because uh, well, that would be the best thing. It's easier than fighting. We're not unified because of our location. We're not unified because uh, of of our branding. We're not unified because of political affiliation or ethnic background or socioeconomic uh, class. But we are united. Matt, tell us how. Greater unity flows out of greater discipleship. Uh, I love the way A.W. Tozer puts it. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking to Christ are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. And so what Tozer is saying is the pathway to unity isn't aiming at unity. The pathway of unity is to aim at Jesus Christ so that we are completely tuning our hearts and our minds to him in a way that makes us more and more one with each other. Romans 15.5 puts it this way, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. The spirit of unity will only exist in the way that God has designed it as we follow Christ Jesus together. And so this discipleship and this unity, they fit together in that God has designed us to become one as we draw closer and closer to Jesus and become more like him. And so what are we going to do over the course of the next year to tune our hearts and our minds more to Jesus Christ? If we, if we want to be one, if we want to be united, it only happens as we become more like him, as our hearts and minds are more tuned to him. What are some things we're going to do to do that as a church? Well, I have a few things I'm going to throw up on the screen. These are not all the things we're going to do, but a few things that I want to call your attention to. One, we want to pursue Jesus with everything we have in our teaching series. And so starting on fall kickoff, we're going to begin studying the first half of the Gospel of Mark. As we're studying the Gospel of Mark, we're going to be finishing up a life, groups, uh, a life group curriculum on the Gospel of Luke that will get released before December. And so Mark and Luke are going to help us to invest deeply into the life of Jesus. Who was he? What did that look like? What is he calling me to? We're also going to be finishing the second half of the book of Romans. What's the second half of the book of Romans about? It's entirely about how our relationship with Jesus causes us to live in our day-to-day -day activities. 
The first half of the book of Romans is all about this astounding salvation that God has given to us and how it can be ours. And the second half of the book of Romans is all about how you live out that salvation in Jesus in your day-to-day activities. And so we're going to be looking at that as we go through. We're, uh, if you drop down, there's also going to be some subjects that we're going to be covering that the Scripture talks about, like marriage and sexuality, or our workplace as our place of worship, or the Word of God and what it does in our life. There are some seminars that we're going to be going over over the course of this year. The one I want to call your attention to is the one on top that will take place this fall, and that is the seminar on prayer. We're going to spend some time talking about how God has instructed us to pray as his people, looking at different prayers throughout the scripture and how they help us connect with the heart of God in our prayer life. Prayer is a primary way that we tune our hearts and our minds to Jesus that produces that unity that God so loves. And so there are a number of ways that we're going to be participating in prayer. Each quarter, we're going to be producing a prayer and fasting guide so that you with your family or you as a couple or individuals can participate in fasting. We'll be doing it as a church family in our homes, and we'll be making our way through this prayer and fasting guide that we have produced. Starting January 1st, we're going to invite everybody who's a part of our church family uh, to join us as we read through the scriptures in a year all using the same Bible plan, and as a part of that, our pastors are going to be producing a short devotional each day on the scriptures that were read that lead us to a place of prayer out of those scriptures. We want to take advantage of the cycle of the holidays as we experience them. And so during December, we're going to produce uh, 25 devotionals. Uh, They're probably going to be the first 25 days of December. And in that, we hope that many of those devotionals connect with everybody, but some of those devotionals are going to be specifically designed for families to do together to connect during that season, to connect with Jesus and each other. During Easter week, we're going to be sending out news alerts to anyone who wants them in our congregation of what was happening 2,000 years ago at that time and how it can spur your prayer life. So Tuesday morning, you're going to get a news alert about what Jesus was doing 2,000 years ago on Tuesday morning, what he was teaching in the temple at that time, and how it can bring you to a place of prayer. In order to best tune the hearts and minds of our youngest members uh, to Jesus, uh, we're going inst- to implement a new kids' curriculum this fall. Our kids' directors have spent a lot of time investigating a number of different kids' curric- curriculums and have picked the one that they think is best going to help people connect with Jesus and connect with the big picture of the Bible, and we're excited about that. I'm going to turn it over to Kenny because he's, he's just going to keep going with these lists. We have about an hour and a half left of lists, so get comfy. We'll, it'll all be good. That's right. Every day, every day. Uh, there, there is something, Matt, that I think it's important that we identify. Between services, someone came up to me and they said, quarterly fasting and prayer? I think I can only do it for a few days. <laughs> so quarterly, that sounds like a lot of fasting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I said, well, walk in the flesh or spirit, your decision. That's right. <laughs> uh, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, no, we're, we're really excited about this. In fact, 
Many of you, as you've spoken to Pastor Matt, you know that he is thoughtful and systematic in his approach to things. You can see it even when you approach him and start to talk to him. So it's really cool as we've had the chance to sit down across from each other and he goes, uh, what do you... What do you think about this reading plan? I'm really excited about this reading plan. I'm like, he's excited. I'm going to get a phone out and video this. Uh, he is super excited, and I am too. I, I can't wait to uh, see what all God has for us in these days to come. In fact, as we walk together in unity, we think that there are some things that we really, uh, uh, that we can do that will help us in moving in that direction. These are just a few. This is not an exhaustive list, but these are a few that we want to highlight. We want to encourage you if you're leading a ministry, if you are breathing. Uh, conflict may be an issue. I, I don't know. I don't know how it was uh, modeled in your home. I know how it was modeled in my home. FYI, I come from a home that is uh, Irish on one side, and we get mad really fast. And it just blows up like that. Like, I don't know what just happened. And then I come from a German side in my German family. They had a great way of staying stoic. And that's another one. And they could remember for decades what you did. That was what was modeled for me. I don't know what was modeled for you, but I can guarantee that there was probably, it probably was not the way God intended. God has an intention, even in conflict, to make us more and more into his image, to challenge us to walk in obedience with him. Uh, resolving everyday conflict is a way for us to align with that and have some tools to work through conflict. Marriage mentors, Pastor Art has done a great job of uh, bringing some training in and getting some additional people trained for uh, marriage mentors. We know that we, like, like this world is changing around us and we, it's not like we're stagnant, right? Like when you get married, you look different when you start having children, for example. And then there are these different life stages that we walk through and suddenly we're going, hey, wait, well, maybe we're not on the same page. We, we need someone to just walk with us through it. And it doesn't matter where you're at in this, this marriage life stage. Praise God, consider a marriage mentor of someone who is non-judgmental, who loves the Lord and is going to walk with you uh, in, in better communicating. Someone said in Shakopee, hey, I love this idea. Uh, I would prefer it if I could have a marriage mentor that was in Prior Lake, though. Um, it would just be easier to worship where I could, you know, deal with stuff and not have to talk about it on a Sunday when we come together. It's like, that, yep, we have that. And then there were another couple who said, actually, I would like someone on the campus for additional accountability. Great. We are willing to work with you, talk you through it, and make sure you get a marriage mentor uh, that will bless you. Additionally, as you heard Pastor Matt talk about, prayer is a big deal. It has a way of of helping our hearts align back with God and his plan and an opportunity for us at times to confess and to turn from sin and to turn towards God. And prayer is a place that that happens. We have a prayer on campus on Thursdays here in Prior Lake at 6 a.m. and in Shakopee at 7 a.m. And so those are, that's on Thursdays. We want to encourage you to come out and spend some time in corporate prayer. Additionally, you, we should note that on Sunday mornings we have prayer. 
generally that happens at 8.30 in the worship, uh, in the, in the um, uh, I just lost my place completely. Worship center is the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Matt. You are, you are here for me, that's true. Uh, worship center right here. Now you may, uh, we would encourage you to come a little bit early to that because sometimes as we do our run through and prep, we get done a little bit early. And so we start praying a little bit early. If you are interested on a Sunday morning, we would love for you to join us as, as we pray about what's happening here in Prior Lake and in Shakopee and as we pray for you before you come in. Uh, that's a big part of our Sunday morning prayer time. We're continuing with core discipleship. Uh, last year, 125 people were, made that commitment. And we, it, was, it was really funny. When we were talking about this, we said, I don't know how many people will come out. And uh, I gave a number, and Matt was like, maybe 25 or so, right? And 225 people came out. With, it blew our minds. They came the first day and said, well, let's see if they come back next week. Uh, and you did. And it was super encouraging. And so as we began to talk about this fall, uh, we're seeing those numbers start to move up. And so I believe that link is live now. Is that true? Uh, the link is live. And so you can sign up online for Core Discipleship even today. And, and there is a limit. So we encourage you to uh, sign up soon. And also, discipleship. Sometimes people put discipleship and evangelism on different uh, in different places as if they are separate. They're not. Uh, they're united. They're together. Uh, relational evangelism is a class that we'll be having once a month. Uh, there's more information uh, out in the booth or at the table, rather, and we want to encourage you to go there to get some more information. But each uh, month, we're going to focus on kind of a different topic. And we recognize that sometimes people go, oh, I'm not sure how to share my faith with my family. I'm not sure how to share my faith in, in public with a, uh, maybe someone at a restaurant. Or There's just going to be a lot of different options for us to learn how to share our faith and to get comfortable with it and challenged by it. So we're, we're excited about relational evangelism and encourage you to sign up. All of this, again, uh, is a, a part of this movement of unity and discipleship. All of this, um, we recognize you're not going to be able to do all of it, but there may be portions where, gosh, uh, this is my next step of faith, and I need to take it, and we want to encourage you to take that next step of faith as we walk together in it. That's why we're doing this, so we can grow in the Lord. Last year, we started something uh, weekly, and that's communion. Now, we decided to do that weekly because we knew that uh, this would be a way that we would look at the gospel every day. I'm a sinner and need a savior. Christ died on the cross for my sins. He conquered sin and death and rose from the grave. And as I repent from my sins and turn towards God, there is life found in him.